Come on, we have a resurrected Savior. Come on, let's give him praise today like you believe it. Woo, he comes to bring freedom. Hey, listen, man, if you came here today feeling defeated, you came to the right place. Because I don't know if you can sense it, but the presence of God is here. There is hope here. There is peace here. There is joy here in this place today because God is here with us. Amen. Come on. Do you believe that? You receive that today, church? Come on, Lancaster. You need to help me because they're kind of out of it in Lithopolis. I bet they're really excited in Lancaster right now because God is here in this place. I'm telling you, you could not have picked a better week to make sure that you're in the house of God. Because it's in the presence of God, in the house of God, where maybe you can feel so discouraged. Maybe you had the worst week ever. Maybe you've been fighting with your spouse. Maybe you got some bad news. Maybe you just feel really discouraged about life. I'm just here to tell you that when you encounter the presence of God, a God who was dead but raised back to life tells you that it does not matter what situation that you're facing and it is not bigger than God. It is not bigger than Jesus. He has defeated hell, death, the grave. So you're in the right place today and I believe that, that God has a word for you. He wants, wants me to share with you. I believe it's going to be a powerful word that God wants to use today. And I, I just came to church today. I felt this overwhelming gratitude for the scores and scores of servant leaders that give of their time and they're faithful to show up in the middle of the summer to serve us, to greet, to park, to watch our kids, to teach our kids about Jesus. Can we just show some love? Would you help me? Come on, we ought to be grateful. There's people in the back running lyrics, people on cameras, there's people doing things you never see give their time and their energy. I just want to tell you that if, if, if you just come and you receive and you're not yet part of it, I want to encourage you. It's time to step into it. Get into our growth track. Get into XU. Take a step into the purpose that God has for you. Because I believe that, listen, we're not on this earth just to, to do time. We're not on this earth just to make a living. That God has put us here. He has put you here for a specific reason. Do you believe that? God has put you here. And I know you might feel like you're ordinary, but what we're learning in this series is that God would, loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things out of it. What does it look like for God to do that in your life? Today, we're going we're gonna to continue on that process. We're on a journey together. And if you wouldn't mind just remain standing for a mo moment longer, I just want to read to you from the passage that we have today. We're in Judges chapter 6 and last week we we saw how Israel had been just overrun by the Midianites because God had removed his hand of protection because they had turned away from him and they cried out and God God appeared to idiot uh, to Gideon as an angel appeared to him and said go and save the people of Israel and he just didn't see himself the way God saw him that's what we learned last week God speaks a better word over you but I wanted to pick up his story in verse 25 it says this in verse 25 that same night the Lord said to him that's Gideon take the second bull from your father's herd the one seven years old he said tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it everybody say tear down tear down there's some things that God wants to tear down in our lives today and then he told him, verse 26, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of its height. 
using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. And in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Verse 30, will we end. Says the people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Would you all do me a favor? Would you just turn to the person next to you and would you announce my title to him? And my title today is this, alter your altar. Come on, tell them you need to alter your altar. You see what I did there? Alter your altar. Come on, pray with me. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to connect with you today. And God, we don't come here just because we have to. We don't come here, God, because it's something we, we're required to do. But God, we come here today because we need something from you. And so God, I ask in these next moments that God, you would use me and the, the word that you showed me, the picture that you gave me to reveal something to each and every one of us so that in the end, God, you could use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we would pray all these things in the name of our Savior Jesus, the most extraordinary there ever was on this earth. And everyone said, come on, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat today. I'm just happy to be in church. I'm excited. We're two weeks away, by the way, from 1X. Come on, you all pumped up and excited about 1X. We're going to have a joint worship experience at BrewDog. That, I know that don't sit well with some of you. That's all right. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. In fact, I, I want to just say real quick before I just dive into the message here. I, I don't know a better opportunity than what's coming up in two weeks for you to invite somebody to church. Like we've given you invites. These aren't for you. These are for you to give to somebody. And there are people probably in your life that maybe will not even set foot into a church building. Will they go to a brewery and taproom restaurant? You just tell them, hey, listen, I want to take you to brunch 10 a.m. at BrewDog in Canal Winchester. They won't be open for food, but when they get here, listen, they're going to say, oh, you know what? I guess I was off on that. We're going to have a, an experience. Just come stick around, and then we're going to eat afterwards. You, you just do that if you need to. But I'm telling you, the perfect opportunity you have is to bring somebody. Come on, we're going to join with our Lancaster family. I can't wait for that. Come on, one church together in one location. Hey, do me a favor. Would you pray um, that we have good weather? Because that's scary. Or bring an umbrella, one of the two. But we're having church. I don't care. Unless it's tornado, we're having church. And uh, it's going to be so good. I don't know what you um, picture when you hear the word altar. I, I, don't, I don't know. Because um, my guess is what you think about and probably what I think about might, might be a little different than what Gideon heard when God told him to tear down some altars. You, you know, I mean, if you, you grew up around some older church tradition, then your mental image of an altar was probably like a wooden table that was at the front of the, the church, in the front of the stage. And it was this table that um, oftentimes would have like maybe a really big Bible 
that nobody ever touched or used, but it was just for decoration. You ever see those? And then sometimes the communion elements, this is what I always remember, they would put the communion elements on the altar. It kind of symbolized it like, you know, Jesus' body and blood and, and altar and death and all this stuff. And, but it's, it's just, but really when I pictured it, and I, I remember like old church tradition, if you grew up in church like I did, it was really a place at the front of the stage that you decorate at different seasons. Because, you know, Christmas time, you, you put poinsettias all over it. And at Easter, you put what? Y'all remember? Lilies. Easter lilies. And, and it's just like, we have this pretty mental picture. Oh, I got this altar in the front. Now, now just saying, here in Lithopolis, when you come to church, we don't really have one of those. But up at the front of the altar, we got four dual 18 subwoofers. And if you ever need to come down to the altar, just make your way down, kneel down to the altar. And it will, trust me, it will shake hell out of your soul. That's, that's what we... That's what an altar is meant to do, and that's why we got subwoofers. Shake, rattle, and roll right out of you. And, uh, and so I, I don't know, like, when I was a kid, um, you know, I grew up in church that, that we had a wooden altar. And I remember, like, sometimes it, this mental image I've got of, like, sometimes you'll see them and they have, like, this real pretty lace runner that just drapes over the sides, kind of like your grandmother's dining room table. And, and um, it was where we put communion and all that good stuff on it. And, and as soon as I pictured altar, all I could think about was communion. Because there was something about the altar and where they always put the communion. Now, communion that we do today, and when we take communion, is a little bit different than when I was in churches growing up. We, we did communion a little. It was a little more intimate. It was a little bit more... Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe this. You know how we do those, and I know you don't like those little wafers, but I figure if Jesus suffered on the cross, you ought to suffer eating the wafer to remember his death. Um, we had just, we, we would get like a big old loaf of, of bread. And, and we, we took it together as a church family, which meant that we passed it down the aisle so it just touched every single person's hands before it got to you. It's pretty gross. I know. I know. It's kind of what we did back then. And uh, you were just supposed to tear off a piece of the bread. And uh, I wanted a lot of Jesus because I was always hungry. So I grabbed a big old chunk of bread that I, I would eat. I was just a kid. Leave me alone. And uh, that was, if you think that was a little weird, okay, it got even weirder. Because then a lot of times we only had like one or two cups of grape juice. We didn't have wine. We had grape juice. And um, they passed that down the aisle as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know some traditions, they have the same cup, backwash for Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you, and, and at least some traditions, they wipe off the, the, brim, the rim of the cup. We didn't even do that. It was just straight up drink. Here you go, drink. Here you go. I'm telling you, like, you took the Lord's Supper and you took your own life into your hands. Like, that's the way it was back when I grew up going to church. And so that, that altar, it just reminded me of communion because whenever we had communion, as soon as the, the church service was over, we would run to the altar. And not the way you're thinking, run down to the altar. We would run to the altar to clean up what was left from communion. We would eat all the rest of the bread and drink all of the juice. That's, that's what we did when I was a kid. And so I don't know your church tradition, but when I think about altar, that's, that's kind of my, that's my memory. Or maybe if you didn't go, if you didn't go to church growing up like I did, Maybe that's new. Maybe, maybe the only altar that you picture in your mind is like a wedding altar. 
You know, maybe it was the church that you got married in, and at the front, it's always decorated all nice and pretty, and the pastor or priest was there marrying you, and the bride is beautiful. It's just the whole thing is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's decorated. And, and that's sometimes our mental image when we hear altar, but I just don't want you to sanitize the view or the picture of what an altar really was. Like, like when God spoke to Gideon and he said, I want you to go tear down these altars, that they were a place of death. An altar wasn't just some pretty decorated table at certain seasons in their church. That an altar was the place of sacrifice where they would sacrifice animals. We don't do that today. Peter would not approve. But, but they would sacrifice animals. They would kill animals. And they did that thinking that if I offered this thing that cost me money, to a God or gods or the one true God that maybe that God would be pleased with me. And so they would kill animals. And so what we picture is so pretty and it's so beautiful. What he's picturing has blood dripping down the side of it. And it was, it was an altar and it was signified death. That's, that's an altar, which all actually incidentally kind of does remind me of my wedding day because at, at the wedding where my wife, the chapel where my wife and I got married, just so happens that earlier in that week that one of the members died and so they had to have a funeral right before the wedding. I showed up at the church early because we had to decorate and I see the spot where me and my lovely bride are about to be and there's a casket right in the front. Now, okay, that's, that's a better picture of an altar. It's interesting that God is going to use Gideon. This is, this is what we're learning in the story of Gideon. It's kind of like our story because God will use an ordinary person to do extraordinary things. God will use you. You feel like you're ordinary. You feel like there's nothing significant about me. It's like, well, you preach and they lead and they're on staff and they do that. And God, God won't use me to do anything significant. I just want to just tell you, I reject that idea. I believe that God will use each and every one of us in some unique way. And it might be in your workplace. It might be in the marketplace. It might be at the school where you teach. It might be at your home. God will use you in a significant way. But listen to me. The very first command that God gave to Gideon. Here he is. Gideon, here's your purpose. Go and save Israel. You're going to stand up to the Midianites. They were the ones oppressing them. Go. The very first command that God gave to Gideon was not to go and scout out the other army. It wasn't to devise a battle plan. It wasn't even to call troops to join into this mission. It wasn't any of those things. The very first thing that God commanded Gideon to do was to address something in his own camp. And the reason why I say that is because many of us are waiting for, okay, God, use me. Okay, God, do something through me. Okay, God, I want to, I want to be used by you, God. God says, all right, great, I want to use you. But before you're going to go lead that ministry, and before you're going to start that small group, before I'm going to use you to change the world, I need to address something inside of you. I got to address something inside of you. I just want you to hear that because I know that God has a purpose for your life. I believe that Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship, masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. God has something significant that he created you for. But before God can use you, before God can use me, he has to alter some things within us. There's some things that God needs to alter. He needs to change. He spoke to Gideon and he said, I need you to change some altars. 
There are some altars that you set up. Do you know, by the way, the whole entire reason why the Israelites felt the oppression of the Midianites was because God lifted his hand of protection off of them because they began to worship other gods. Here's God speaking to Gideon. I need you to address what is the real problem that has caused this for the last seven years. I need you to address the real problem before I'm going to use you in a powerful way. And I want you to hear this. Before God is going to use you, before he used me to do extraordinary things, you might need to alter your altar. Let me say it again. You might need to alter your altar. What are those things? Now, I, I know a lot of times when we think about an altar, we're immediately thinking, okay, an altar, what do you mean? So, so there's things that I sacrifice. There's things we think, we picture maybe the wedding altar, we, the church altar, maybe Gideon's altar. I, I want us to see it differently today. I want you to think of an altar not maybe as, as a physical place, but rather maybe a spiritual place in your life. In fact, let me give you a definition of what I think an altar really represents in us. And that is this, that an altar is the place where you offer something of value to something you value. Now, let me say it again because I don't want you to get confused. But an altar is just any place in your life, my life, where we offer something of value to something that we value. Okay, in the Old Testament, they would offer animals, they would offer crops, they would offer grain, they would offer drinks, they would pour out. These were some of the offerings, and offerings, listen, on an altar always cost you something. God told them, get a bull. There, there was maybe no more expensive offering than a bull. He said, get a bull, and you're going to offer this bull. It's going to cost you something. It is something that we value, but listen, it's we offer this to something or someone that we value. No, let me tell you how this can play out in your life or in my life. Here, here's what we do sometimes. Sometimes it might look like maybe wealth, success is something that we value. So much so that we might offer our morals, something else we value, in order to get it. So in other words, I might go, you know what? I've got to be successful. We've got to bring in so much money. We've got to do this. And so sometimes what we do is we kind of bend the rules a little bit. Sometimes we cut corners a little bit. Sometimes we kind of, you know, we kind of give a little bit of a half truth just so we can get the deal, so we can get the sale. We just kind of, you know, just say whatever we need to say so that we can get the job, so we can get the money, so we can build our business, so then we can get to this place and have wealth. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll offer one thing of value, our morals, on an altar, there's something else we value, wealth. It can be anything like that in your life or in my life. If I could just be real with you today and just share, I, I just felt like, okay, I'm going to share one of the altars that God's dealing with in my life. One, one of the altars that I wrestle with just right now in my life, this season of my life, it's become an altar for me is control. I like being in control. I want to be, I want to be in control all the time. I want to control every situation. I want to control all the outcomes. I want to control every conversation. I, I, want to, I want to hold the remote control. Hello, anybody else with me? Come on, whoever has the remote control has all the power in the house. There's nothing worse than when your kids have the remote control. Give me that. You do not. I bought this TV. This was mine. I paid the bills. This is my like. I want the remote control. That's my daughter. Like I, I want the remote control. I, no, you're not good at that. I'll work it. Like, like I, I've, I've seen this come about in my life, and here's what I found. That when all of a sudden things happen, I think God sometimes does it. You know, I build an altar of control. 
Like, I, I've got it. I'm going to make it all work. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do this. I'm in control. And I think sometimes God will come along and he'll knock out one of the supports. And then all of a sudden, the whole entire thing is starting to teeter because God's telling me, listen, if you're in control, guess who's not? And so all of a sudden, I felt like God was super convicting me about this over this last season and saying, hey, you want to be in control so much, but then that puts you on the throne. You're not in control of this world and you're not even in control of your life and you're not in control of this church and you're not in control. I am in control of it. And so God's been telling me you need to tear down your altar of control and you need to build an altar of trust. And so now I'm in a season where God has just kind of rocked the boat and is going like, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? Today, it's just real simple. I don't, I don't, this message is not real deep and complex. If you were looking for, I, all I came today to, to ask you is simply this. What might be an altar in your life that you've erected to some something that matters to you, maybe more than God? What, what is it? It could be so different for all of us. I, I think sometimes it could be our business. It could sometimes be our careers. It could be sometimes the picture that we have of we're building this business and we got to get to this and people are counting on us. And here's how it, we know it's an altar is sometimes we start saying things like, well, I'm just too busy. I'm too small. I can't get home. I can't be home with the family and I miss the sporting events and I miss the games and I miss dinner with the family. But listen, these people are counting on me and, and I'm doing this for you. And so what we can do is we can sometimes sacrifice our families on the altar of our careers and our business. And here's the sad thing is, and listen to me, I think guys, we're really good at this, is that sometimes we justify it in our minds. Well, I'm doing it for them. Well, I wanna say something on behalf of them. Stop doing it for them. They'd rather have you than what you can provide for them. Like, like it's an altar. Let's stop lying to ourselves. Well, I do it for them, I do it for her, I do it for, no, you don't. You do it for yourself because you have this picture of what you should be. What is it? Maybe I want you to think about it. Could it be a hobby? Could it be a sport? Could it be something you love to do? Well, the only time my friends have to play golf is on Sunday, so I know we don't really get to church that often, but I gotta play golf. So you're gonna sacrifice your faith and your worship as a church and part of a church community on the altar for this, this hobby or sports. Like, like, and I don't, I don't say this in a convicting way because I'm a parent who has kids and have had kids who do sports, but there is a line that parents that we gotta figure out, where does it become an altar? Where it's like, I don't know, we haven't been to church in four months, but my kid's doing really well playing first base. For what though? Does it become an altar? I'm not saying you shouldn't let your kid play. I love it when, you know, my kids played sports and I played sports, I love it, but there's something we gotta wrestle when all of a sudden it's like, when does it become too much? When does it take a new place, an elevated place? Or sometimes it might not be those things. It could be possessions. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. But I think the problem comes when we obsess of having more, bigger, better. When our house isn't good enough, I need a better house, a bigger house I'm working for. Listen, my truck is only three years old. I need a bigger truck. That's got to go lifted. And I need 35s on it. And I need some, you know what I'm talking about? Truck people knew what I told Everybody else just lost you. Truck people are like, oh. At least, you know, lifted, suspension, lights, bumper, everything, you know. That, there's nothing wrong with that stuff except when we obsess about it and then we sacrifice on an altar of buying things that we can't afford because we just have to have it. I, I wrestle with that sometimes too. I just want this thing. Sometimes altars can be other people. 
Sometimes we can just get obsessed with other people. I see this happen sometimes when people are dating, and I don't mean to, to knock on this, but I hear sometimes, I see your girls, and they're like, oh, he's my everything. <laughs> you need to knock that off. He should not be your everything. She's all I think about. Stop. Like, you don't even realize. Like, again, love, it feels so great, and we don't even realize what we're doing is we're building an altar of that person. All of a sudden, they matter more to us than our purpose, than God, than our, 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 what, what God's calling us to do and serving others. Listen, it can become an altar so easily. Another one I think that can be an altar is our image. Maybe it's how people see us, how people perceive us. So we got to look a certain way and we're constantly posting things to get people to see us in a certain way and we're buying stuff that we can't afford to impress people that don't really matter and we're buying new purses and new golf clubs and new this and new that and we're like, oh, look at me, don't I look like, don't we look like the perfect family? Sometimes our image becomes an altar. And listen, one thing I want you to notice, these things are not bad things. It's not bad things. I'm not talking about bad stuff. What I'm talking is we can have really good stuff in our life that we don't even realize is so dece deceiving. It's, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, that good thing became a God thing. Where that thing is running my life. That thing is the most important. I'm chasing that rather than pursuing God. Listen, for me, it could be ministry. I want ministry, success. I can pursue that rather than pursuing God. It, it can be that it can listen. Can I say this parents and this is it can be our kids I want to say this your kids can be an idol when, when when you think I want to do everything for my kids I want to give them everything I want them to have everything. I'm never gonna say no I, I just I pour my life my kid I've heard some people say my kids are my life Whoa, whoa, whoa back that up. Hold on. Did you just say your kids are your life? If you've ever said that or thought that, can I just caution you? Hold on, hold on, be careful. You're kind of making an altar out of your kids. What's going to happen when your kids grow up and they move out of your house? There went your life. It's wonder that so many husbands and wives end up getting a divorce as soon as their kids leave. They've been waiting because they lost themselves, their purpose in their kids because they just gave everything to their kids. I'm all about loving my daughters. I'm all about wanting to care for them. See, but, but I, they are not to become an altar in my life that is more important than God. So I just want to ask you, this message isn't like, it's not complicated. It's not deep. God told Gideon, listen, I'm going to use you to do it. But before we get to them, we need to address what's in your camp. What's inside? Maybe you're sitting here and you're processing, you're thinking, I don't, I don't know, I, I love God, I just, I serve God. How, how can I know if there's an altar in my life that is not the proper altar for God? How do we know that? Here's what I want to do today, just the time we have remaining. I want to give you just two things that you can ask. Two things that you can think about that would just press. I think these are just a great little test to know whether or not something is an idol. The first one is this, uh, 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 something an altar in your life. If maybe you get defensive when someone messes with your altar. If you get defensive when someone confronts your altar. Did you notice in the story, I, I wanted to revisit this. Did you notice in the story that when Gideon went at night, because he was so afraid, right? Because people don't like it when you mess with their altars. 
He was so afraid of the people that he went at night, even his dad, his dad's family built the altars. He went and he tore them down at night, construction project in the dark, right? Offers a bull on this. And it said in verse 30, when, or it says when all the people, they came, woke up and they realized and they, they found out who it was. It says in verse 30, they were so mad. They said, Gideon needs to come out here and be put to death. That's a little sensitive about your altar, aren't you? Can I just tell you that any area in your life that you get defensive about, I'm not saying it is, but it could be an indication that there's an altar that you built there that's the wrong kind. It's just any, any kind. In other words, it, it means that there's something unhealthy. It's kind of like you, you ever hurt yourself, you get a sore, you were kind of, you know, you, you do something and then, and then if somebody bumps into it, someone touches it, all of a sudden you're like, ah, it hurts, like you got a bad sunburn, somebody comes up on you, hey man, it's good to see you and smack and you're like, ah, don't do that, right? Listen, when, when there's something unhealthy in your life, all it takes is a little bit of pressure and all of a sudden you feel pain. Let me say this about us spiritually. All it takes is a little bit of pressure and something unhealthy, and we can get real defensive about it. I say this happens all the time. Do you know, by the way, I can tell when I strike a nerve when I'm preaching. I can tell when, when, it, when, when it's like I, start, I say something, the whole room gets real quiet. And it gets tense. You can feel, I don't know what it is. You know, you've been in a room where it's tense. You don't have to say anything, and I don't even know how you can know. But when there's hundreds of you, and I say something that you get a little defensive about it, I can feel it. I'm just letting you know. It gets super tense in the room. Y'all, some of you are like burning me with lasers. You're like, if it looks good, kill, I'd have been dead on the spot. You know what I mean? Get real defensive. In fact, here's what I found. This is, this is funny to me. You want to know the number one thing that I could preach about that causes people to get so defensive that they actually leave church? Can you guess what it is? Wow. I didn't think you'd get that that easily. And then we all laugh, <laughs> kind of uncomfortable and nervous. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it when he talks about money. Let's do Gideon. That's good. Can I, can I just say that whenever you hear something preached, and, and listen, what I preach, I don't make it up on my own. The stuff I plant, I comes from God's word. I get this, I get this from Gideon's life and his story. This isn't stuff I just go, oh, I just feel like I want to talk about this. This is something that God said. It's amazing to me how many people get so defensive about certain things that Jesus said, yet they turn around and go, oh, I'm a Christ follower. Well, Jesus pushed back and he said, well, if any of you want to follow me, you must take up your cross, deny yourself, right? But then we go, oh, don't talk about that. All I got to do is talk about what Jesus said about money. Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus said watch out for greed that it doesn't overtake you so that you, God blesses you and then you build bigger barns saying I'll store it up for me all the meanwhile I'm not generous toward God. Jesus is the one that said where your treasure is there your heart will also be. Jesus is the one who said you can't serve both God and money. Jesus is the one that said that. All I got to do is say that and everybody's like oh I don't like that. If something inside of you get real defensive about an area of your life, I just want to say this, especially when you come to church and you sense it, that is the spirit of God pressing on an area that is unhealthy, that has become an altar in your life. That, that's what he's doing. It might be money. It might be a relationship. It could be a relationship. 
where, where you're sensing God is clearly, is God's saying, stop pursuing him. Stop pursuing her. They are unhealthy, and, and we get defensive. This is what we do. We get defensive. You get defensive. Or maybe someone in your life is saying, he is no good for you. He loses his temper. He gets angry. I've seen the way he talks to you. He is controlling. No, 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 no. He's not controlling. He just cares a lot. No, he doesn't. When somebody speaks in your life that loves you and says, I'm worried about you, and then you get defensive. Can I just say there's possibly an altar? Or maybe you've got a spouse that's been saying to you almost every night, you, I feel like you're drinking all the time. You, you're drinking way m more than you ever used to. You're drinking, and it's you know, one, two, now it's three, four, five at night. You say, hey, listen, I'm just, listen, I just have busy, I'm stressed at work and it just helps me relax, but I don't have a problem. I don't have any issue with this. Get off my back, leave me alone, okay? I'm in control of the situation. When you're saying that, you're getting defensive about something that somebody's pressing into your life that might be unhealthy. What I'm saying is, it's not just unhealthy, you've put an altar there. This, this is what I'm pursuing in my life. I could simply be like, when you're challenged to forgive somebody that hurts you, and, and, and you get real defensive and say, no, 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 I'm not gonna, they need to come to me, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna respond. I'm just saying that when you get real defensive about an area of your life, when somebody, maybe it's a small group leader, maybe it's a topic we're talking about, maybe it's a series, and it kind of, I just want you to notice, it's a good indication, I may have built an altar here, okay? Let, let me give you a second thing. The second thought is this, if maybe you refuse to lay something down before God. If there is something in your life that you refuse to let go of, here's what I have found in my journey of following Jesus. I have found that he, because he loves me, will at times ask me to let go of things that I am holding on to, like control, like power, like what I'm doing with my money, like who I'm hanging out with. God will speak into your life. God will, through other people, through messages, through reading the Bible, through these, God will impress upon you different things in your life. And listen, and here's, here's what he's doing. He, he might say, let this go for me. And some of us might get to a place where maybe, listen, and maybe we get to a place where, where it's kind of like the rich young ruler. Do you remember the time when Jesus approached a rich, rich young ruler who had all his wealth and possessions? And Jesus said to him, he said, I want you to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And he left and he couldn't do it. He was sad because he couldn't. Now, I'm not saying God's going to ask you to like sell everything and sell your house, put it on the market today and get rid of everything, give it all to goodwill. I'm not saying that's what God's telling you to do. I'm just saying there is areas in our life where, let me tell you what God's going to do. He's going to say, I want you to let go of this. Let go of this person. Let go of this dream. Let go of this pursuit because it does not, it does not lead to me. Let go of this ideology. Let go of this. God's going to say, let go of this. Give it up for me. And if you look at God and you say, unfortunately, God, that's off limits. Anything in your life, listen, that is off limits to God, anything at all, can I just tell you, that's an altar that you've built that stands above God in your life. It can be a good thing. Anything. Anything that causes us to lay down something that matters to God so we can pick up something that matters to us is an altar. And I just wanted to ask you today, this is just, I know it's simple, I just felt like God was speaking to me through the story of Gideon. And I just wanted to ask you today, this is just a, 
What is God speaking to you about? Is there anything in your life today? What is God speaking to you right now? Is there anything in your life that all of a sudden maybe the spirit of God, the voice of God just in your heart right now is kind of saying, this thing has become an altar. This thing could be a good thing has become a God thing in your life. And God is speaking to you and saying, I want you to let it go. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't, I don't know. All of us is different. It might be to sell something. We just bought this car. I know, but you can't afford it. You bought it for the wrong reasons. Why don't you sell it and go buy something else? I don't know we can do that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to begin giving. Maybe it's to start giving something. It's like, I can't. It's just greed has a hold on your life. And God says the only way to break the power of greed is to begin to give, to return it to God. What is it? Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's, it's, I just, I come and I take and I consume, but I don't contribute. I'm not using the gifts that God has put within me. And so maybe God's leaning on your heart and saying, it's time for you to give up some time. It's time for you to commit to go through XU, our growth track, to begin to grow in your faith. What is it in your life that God is saying, would you let this go? Would you lay this down so that you can build a proper altar to me? I just really believe God wants to, he's pressing in on some areas. The reason why it feels a little bit heavy right now is because I believe the spirit of God is actually speaking to all of us because we all wrestle with this. I do. And I want us to respond. We can either run away from it or we can respond today to the voice of God and position ourselves for God to use us. And so we all just, as we're closing, would you all just stand up to your feet in this moment? We're going to have a, just a moment of prayer and reflection. I, I want to close with this, this verse that God reminded me of. What's our posture? What's our response? God wants to use you, Gideon. God wants to use you beyond what you've even pictured. But there's a response. God says, I'm going to address what's in your heart first before I can use you to change those around you. And so I, I, I was led to this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I want to read it to you in the message, and I just pray that it will speak to you. It says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture this as God. God helping you. God's going to help you do this. Take your everyday, ordinary life. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what we're, we're just ordinary. I know. God says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. In other words, every part of your life. And place it before God as a what? Everyone say it out loud. As a? The best thing that we can do is to take that thing that God's speaking to us about right now. And we say, God, I'm just going to lay this down as an offering. So what I'm doing is I'm going to tear down the altar that I have put up. That person, that success, my image, my control, greed, money, possessions. I don't know what it is in your life. But I'm telling you, God's saying it's time to tear it down. You have to do it. you got to say, okay, God, I'm going to tear this down. And I'm going to build the right kind of altar to you today. And so I want, in just an active response, would you all just... just bow your heads, close your eyes. I, I really believe that, that there's a moment right now where God wants for you to just kind of say, it's time for me to let go. It's time for me to surrender. God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice. I really believe that God, your spirit is speaking to us today in our church about altars and things that we've built to idols that we have made in our lives. God, more important than you. 
that God, you're saying, if we would just eliminate, if we would tear those downs and build a new altar to you today, and we offer our lives, we offer them. God, I pray that you're speaking, God. Maybe there's some things we're gonna have to sell, some things we're gonna have to give away, someone we're gonna have to separate from. Lord, something we're gonna have to start pursuing, something we're gonna have to do, or we're gonna start reading our Bible, we're gonna start doing some things to build a new altar for you. And we're gonna do that today.